In this episode, I wanted to give you a crash course on what Vagrant is, along with how I use it. Vagrant is my go-to tool for launching virtual test environments, and once you start to use it, you'll wonder how you live without it. Back in episode number 4, we covered Vagrant at a fairly high level, so I thought it might be useful to dive a little deeper through a revised episode and show you how I've been using Vagrant for the past year and a half. My take on Vagrant is that it acts as a type of wrapper around traditional virtualization software, which greatly speeds up many of the tasks associated with setting up, tearing down, and sharing virtual machines. Vagrant is great at creating disposable development environments, and I heavily use it to create sandboxes for episode ideas, where I can play around with an operating system, and then delete it afterwards. I thought it might be worthwhile to go over some of my use cases, so that you can get an idea of what you might want to use it for. Say for example that I'm going to deploy a new service. I might spin up a couple Vagrant virtual machines, or boxes, on the target operating system to learn how the service is going to operate in real life. The idea is that this will provide insights into things we should care about, or gotchas that might bite us, before rolling it out into production. I also use Vagrant boxes to play around with operating system features, things like containers, cgroups, and systemd. Then sometimes I want to test new operating system patches, or even OS upgrades. I also use Vagrant boxes for building configuration management scripts, since you basically have a self-contained system that you can test with, gain experience, and then throw it away. I also really like creating multi-node test environments, where I can reproduce ticket-related issues, performance problems, or test the interaction between a client and server. I've prepared several demos to highlight what I like about Vagrant, but before we dive into them, let me just give you an overview of my setup and cover some prerequisites that you'll need to install before you can get going on your own. I mentioned at the start of this episode, Vagrant acts as a wrapper around virtualization software. So for Vagrant to work, you need to have some type of virtualization software set up. Probably the easiest way to get going is to download and install VirtualBox, because it's free, supports all major operating systems, and it works great with Vagrant. Vagrant also supports VMware, but the Vagrant plugin license costs around 80 bucks, so it might be something to check out if you're already really into VMware. Once you have VirtualBox installed, head over to the Vagrant website, where you can download and install it too. Vagrant is also free, supports all major operating systems, and it used to be the case that you'd need to install Vagrant as a Ruby gem, but Vagrant is packaged up into a single install package now, and I found this greatly simplifies the install process. Now that we've covered the prerequisites, let me show you my setup where I have both VirtualBox and Vagrant installed. I just wanted to show you the VirtualBox GUI quickly, even though we're not actually going to have much interaction with it, since Vagrant acts as a wrapper around it. Many of these virtual machines here were created by Vagrant via the command line. If you've ever created virtual machines used for testing through a GUI, you will know that it can be a pain, and it's a very manual process. I've found that I have a tendency to leave testing machines around for a long time without rebuilding them, before Vagrant, there was a real resistance to creating clean testing environments, because there is an extra labor cost associated with making this happen. Vagrant can eliminate much of this extra labor, so let's go take a look at how that works. On my system, I have Vagrant version 171 installed. If you run the Vagrant command without any arguments, you'll get the default help output, which displays the available command options. I'm just going to scroll up here for a second so that we can see what was up at the top. So here we have the version and help options. Then down here we have the main command options. These are used for managing the lifecycle of Vagrant boxes. I should actually mention that box or boxes is a Vagrant term for a virtual machine. So you might hear me say box or virtual machine throughout this episode. These are one and the same. That actually brings us to the first command option I wanted to talk about called box. And this option allows you to list, add, and remove boxes or virtual machines that Vagrant knows about. Say for example that you downloaded a Vagrant box off the net. 
You can notify Vagrant about it through this command option. I should also mention that Vagrant boxes are special in that they typically have several required packages installed and a Vagrant user added inside the image. So you typically cannot import a random VirtualBox machine into Vagrant without some tweaks. Although it wouldn't likely require too much work. You can actually check out episode number five where I talk about creating Vagrant boxes from scratch using VWE. And the episode goes into detail about some of these tweaks. In a couple weeks, I'm going to review Packer. This is a package released by the same guys who make Vagrant, and it allows you to create Vagrant images too. Vagrant init allows you to initialize new Vagrant environments. A Vagrant environment can be a single Vagrant virtual machine or a collection of virtual machines. So an environment will describe what boxes or virtual machines to boot, along with all of the associated settings, through a configuration file called Vagrant file. I'll show you what this looks like in a second, and I personally think this is where the real power of Vagrant is in that you can define really complex environments through a single configuration file and then share that with other people. The added bonus here is that your environments are self-documenting and that it's easy to read the configuration file to see what's going on. We'll cover the status, up, ssh, and destroy commands through the following demos, so I'd rather just explain these by way of showing you them in action. The vagrant box command allows you to see which virtual machines or boxes vagrant knows about. So let's just run vagrant box list here and it will output a listing of boxes that I have already installed on my system. Most of these are used for testing on my side. Several of these machines here I've created by way of episode number five, and some of them I've downloaded off the net. So now that we've covered the prerequisites, gone over some basic commands, let's jump into our first demo. For each Vagrant environment or set of machines that we want to play around with, I always create a project directory. Since this is episode 42, let's create a project directory called E42. I'm going to run the vagrant init command. Actually, let me just show you the help output first by running vagrant without any arguments. You can see here that vagrant init allows you to initialize a new vagrant environment by creating a vagrant file. So let's run vagrant init and see what happens. We received this message about a vagrant file that's been placed in our current directory and that we can run vagrant up to start our vagrant environment. As you can see, we have our vagrant file in our current directory. This is why I always create a project directory dedicated to each episode, in that if we did this somewhere that already had a Vagrant file, we'd get an error message about a Vagrant file conflict. So a good habit is to always create a project directory when working with Vagrant. Let's open up the default Vagrant file and have a look. The Vagrant file contains all of the information about the environment we want to create. Things like how many virtual machines to launch, which operating system image to use, network settings, along with configuration management scripts for things like Puppet, Chef, or Ansible. I'm actually going to do an episode on learning Ansible with Vagrant in a couple weeks here too. So I'm just going to work through this at a pretty high level, but you can check out the Vagrant file manual page over on the Vagrant website. The link is in the episode notes below. The first configuration option I wanted to cover is the box, or virtual machine image, that we want to launch in our environment. And this setting allows us to define that. There's also this handy atlas site which allows you to search vagrant boxes created by the community. We'll check that out in a minute. This block here allows you to map ports between your host machine and vagrant boxes. An example use case would be that we have a web server running on one of our Vagrant boxes and you want to access it via your host machine via localhost. For example, I've used this in several episodes where I install an Apache web server and then use this port forwarding feature. You can map port from localhost 8080 to the Vagrant box on port 80. This is actually really handy for testing all sorts of web services. So let's enable it and I'll show you what it looks like. 
This block here allows you to define the network address of the Vagrant box, which can actually be really useful if you have several Vagrant boxes defined in the same Vagrant file, just so that they can all communicate on known network addresses. This block here allows you to share a folder on your host machine and mount it inside the Vagrant box. This can actually be really useful for developing on your host machine, but making the files available to the Vagrant box. This allows you to test all sorts of things inside a Vagrant box, but have the convenience of developing outside of it. Down here you can define virtual box specific bits like access to the GUI or the amount of memory each box should have. Finally, this block allows you to run configuration management tools after the Vagrant box is booted. Say for example that you wanted to run some Puppet or Chef scripts to run Apache or MySQL. Check out episode number 8, linked to in the episode notes below, where I talk about learning Puppet with Vagrant. We can also actually insert a line here that will tell Vagrant to execute a shell script for us. This is a provisioning example taken off the Vagrant website, also linked to in the episode notes below. I'll show you the script in a second, but basically we're going to boot the Vagrant box, install the Apache web server, and then I'll show you how to use the port mapping and the slash Vagrant mount to serve out web content. It's actually pretty cool. I just wanted to quickly pop back to the top of the file where we defined a virtual machine image to use via the config VM box option. Let's head over to the Atlas website where we can browse Vagrant boxes created by the community. I should mention that this website used to be called Vagrant Cloud, but it was recently merged into the Atlas product. Here you can discover Vagrant boxes created by the community, and it's actually really simple to use. Say for example that you wanted to play around with the latest CentOS. Just type in the operating system that you're looking for and hit enter. The site is run by HashiCorp, the guys behind Vagrant, Packer, and many other useful tools. I'm just going to use this Ubuntu 14.04 box here, and as you can see it's pretty popular, with close to a million downloads. We're just going to copy the name and head back to our Vagrant file and update the box field. It's easy as that. If you really wanted to, you could click into the description on the Atlas website for the Ubuntu trusty box, but I find copying the name works actually pretty well. Okay, so that's it. Let's save this and head back to the command line. I know it might seem like it's taking a little bit before we fire up our first Vagrant box, but I just want to do this prep work so it makes the demos go really quick, and so that you have an idea of what goes into making this happen. So before we fire up our first Vagrant box, let me just create an HTML directory and throw an example index.html file in there. Let's also create the bootstrap shell script which uses the provisioning option in the Vagrant file to install Apache. You can see here that we update the package cache and install Apache, then remove the default web root and point it to our slash Vagrant mount, then restart Apache to make sure everything is happy. When the machine boots, it will run the script and we should be in business. You can use Vagrant status to see the current state of our Vagrant environment, as defined by the Vagrant file. And as you can see, ours has not been created yet. So let's run Vagrant up to fire up our first Vagrant box. I've already run this command using the Ubuntu trusty box, but if you have not, then Vagrant will download the virtual machine image for you. I think it's around 600 megs, so depending on your internet connection, it might take a couple minutes. The nice thing is that these are cached on your machine, so future Vagrant op commands, based on this image, will not download anything. Here, as you can see, Vagrant has created our new VirtualBox machine called E42. Vagrant acts as a wrapper around VirtualBox by creating a virtual machine, importing our image, and then tweaking all of the settings based on our Vagrant file. You can see here we have our port mapping happening as defined in our Vagrant file. SSH is set up by default, so that's what these ports here are about. 
Something noteworthy here is that Vagrant makes a copy of the Ubuntu Trusty Box we downloaded when creating the new environment. This means that you can test destructive changes inside your Vagrant environment, and you can always reload to the Ubuntu Trusty source at any time. We will test this out in a minute, but I also created a couple diagrams to show you what's happening too, in the hopes that it'll really drive the point home. These lines here mention that Vagrant mounted our current episode 42 project directory inside the Vagrant box as slash Vagrant. As I mentioned earlier, this is really useful for sharing files between your host machine and the Vagrant box. A common workflow is to have your editor, or IDE, running on the host machine sitting in this directory. And then you can manipulate files in the Vagrant box via slash Vagrant. It just so happens that we're about to install Apache on this Vagrant box, and it will point to our HTML directory we created earlier in our project directory. Now you can see our bootstrap shell script executing. These green lines here are the package cache getting updated, and then Apache getting installed, and a couple errors in relation to our invalid hostname. Okay, we're all done. Listing the directory contents, you can see that we have our Vagrant file, the HTML directory, and our bootstrap shell script. I should mention that the Vagrant file, the bootstrap shell script, and all of these commands will be listed in the episode notes below, so it should make it really convenient for you to try this out on your own. So now that we have our box booted, let's connect to it by running Vagrant SSH, and we're in. You'll notice that we didn't have to find the IP address or anything like that. We just run Vagrant SSH. Vagrant figures out where the machine is based off the port forwarding, and it just connects us. It's actually really nice. Let's run LSB release to verify that we're actually in the machine we expect, along with uptime to verify the machine was just launched. And what about DF to verify our slash Vagrant mount? As you can see, the HTML directory is in there, and our index.html file exists. So let's open up a browser and test this by connecting to localhost port 8080. And we got our file. Pretty cool. As a test, let's open up a second terminal window on our host machine outside the Vagrant environment and overwrite our episode 42 project directory's HTML index.html file. Then let's jump back to our browser and verify it's working. So we modified the content served out by our Vagrant box without actually having to go into it. This is extremely useful if you're a developer and you want to run your code on a system that looks like production with the comfort of your desktop development tools. So back to the console and you'll notice that we're connected as the Vagrant user. This user has permissions to su to root. Let's just verify it by running sudo su dash. This goes back to how Vagrant boxes have specific requirements for how you build them, in that a Vagrant user should exist. Okay, so that's basically a Vagrant box in a nutshell. Let's go ahead and log out. The one cool thing about Vagrant is that, although we did have to do a little bit of prep work, once it's done, you only have to do it once, so from here we can just fire up demos at will. So you might remember that we can check our current environment state by running Vagrant status, and as you can see, our machine is up and running. Now we could just leave it running, halt it to save our system for later, or we could destroy it, deleting all of the data. I just wanted to show you a couple diagrams which I hope will explain the Vagrant lifecycle, and it's one I frequently use for testing in clean environments. So we start out with the VirtualBox and Vagrant prerequisites installed on our system. From here we use Vagrant init to create a Vagrant file which defines an environment, and the environment can be defined to launch one or more boxes, although we've just been using one for now. We can either use a box we have locally, or we could use Atlas, aka Vagrant Cloud, and download one from the net. From here, a new virtual machine is launched based on the configuration stored in our Vagrant file. Let's say we do some testing. I typically use Vagrant to test configuration management scripts, which alter the default state of the box. But I continually want to test on fresh machines, because most of my changes don't work the first time I try them. So I want to make sure that I'm testing on a fresh machine each time to make sure my changes will be successful. 
So my workflow is that I start up a box, test my changes, make some tweaks, then run Vagrant Destroy, which deletes this copy of the Ubuntu trusty box. Then I can run Vagrant Up again, which reviews the Vagrant file and launches a fresh copy of the Ubuntu trusty box. This is a killer feature for me since I've created my own custom Vagrant boxes, which look exactly like my production systems. So I can test all types of changes on what looks like a real production system and have confidence that what I'm doing is actually going to work. Vagrant allows me to launch a fresh environment in around a minute, so it makes the testing loop really tight compared to doing this manually through the VirtualBox GUI. So let's jump back to the command line and let me show you what I'm talking about in a live example. So in our last session, we just destroyed our first Vagrant box. Let's just recreate it by running Vagrant up, and you'll see that it's making a fresh copy of the Ubuntu trusty box. You should know that it took around a minute to load. I just sped up the video a little bit to save time. I don't always destroy the Vagrant box either. Say for example, I might have a Vagrant box kicking around for a few months as I'm playing around with different ideas. So you can use the halt or suspend commands too. But let's just destroy the box for now. Jumping back to the diagrams, you can see that we just destroyed our second Ubuntu trusty box. Now if we type Vagrant up again, it would launch another copy based on the settings from our Vagrant file. This was all done in a matter of minutes. Think about all of the work that would be involved in doing this manually. Building the images, getting the networking configured, port mapping, mounts, post-install scripts, etc. Then think about how hard it would be to tear down this setup and rebuild it. Say for example that you wanted to start from scratch again. At this point, hopefully you can see the benefit of using Vagrant rather than just stock VirtualBox or VMware. But I wanted to show you a final example of how I use Vagrant to create complex multi-node test environments. In a couple upcoming episodes, we're going to look at Nagios and then Sensu to see what they offer in terms of monitoring host state along with services these hosts provide. So I created an example lab environment with a web, database, and file server as hosts we want to monitor. From there, I was thinking about installing some example services on each host that we could monitor with Nagios or Sensu. Then we'll have a fourth machine down here connecting out to each of these servers checking state. But for that to happen, we need to have a known network config on each of these machines so that they can all talk to each other. The goal of these episodes is to show you how these monitoring packages work in a fairly real setting and then have the monitoring server verify each host is in an, an okay state. So let's have a look at how we'd go about setting this up in Vagrant. Right now we have our Vagrant file configured to boot a single Ubuntu trusty box. But let's look at setting up a multi-node environment. First, let's open up our Vagrant file again, and I'm just going to delete everything in here and paste in a template I've been working with. Let me just resize this so hopefully everything fits on the same page. So this block here, which is a very trimmed down Vagrant configuration, defines our four Vagrant boxes, those being Web, DB, File, and Negios. We're going to be using CentOS 6.5, but this could be anything, or you could even mix and match different boxes. Then over here, we define how our network interfaces should be configured inside these Vagrant boxes. What about configuration management? Well, I haven't done this yet, but for the services that I want to install in each host, things like Apache, MySQL, Samba, I was thinking of adding some configuration management scripts down here. You can tell Vagrant to run some Puppet scripts, for example, when the box finishes. It will launch Puppet, Chef, or whatever, and then go and install those services as defined, like we did in the Bootstrap script. I think I might have already mentioned it, but you can check out episode number 8 to see this in action with Puppet. Since this is just an example, let's save the Vagrant file and head back to the command line. Vagrant status gives us the current state of the environment. As you can see, we have our four boxes defined, but they're not running. So let's fire them up by running Vagrant up. What you're watching here is four Vagrant boxes booting. 
in a configuration defined via our Vagrant file. This is extremely cool when you think about all the manual work that would be involved doing this through the VirtualBox GUI. You don't need to clone all of these machines, configure the network, etc. Let's not forget about how you'd add configuration management into each of these boxes without Vagrant. The thought of going back to doing this manually is not a pleasant one for me. I should mention that I sped this up quite a bit. It took roughly 3 minutes and 10 seconds to boot these four machines. There is a couple things to be aware of when using Vagrant. First is that it'll take some time to download Vagrant boxes the first time you launch a box. Although, if you do this from somewhere with a decent internet connection, it should go pretty quickly. Second, since Vagrant makes a copy of the box for each instance you start, it is copying the Vagrant box into a virtual machine container. So that could be 600 megs of writes going to a disk. I have an SSD, so this goes actually really quickly. But in this example, we're copying roughly 2.5 gigs of data around since we're launching four boxes of around 600 megs each. I haven't tested this, but it might make sense to use Vagrant on a ZFS file system with data deduplication enabled, since you would likely only be writing the changes between boxes. Maybe that's something for a future episode. Okay, so we're all done. Let's run Vagrant status to check the current state, and it looks like our four boxes are up and running. Let's SSH into the web node by running Vagrant SSH web. You'll notice that in this case we're using the instance name. This is because we have several boxes running in the same environment now, where before we only had one. So we could just type vagrant ssh, and it knows that by default we want to log in to the only box running. Again, let's check the Red Hat release, uptime, and our slash vagrant mount. What's so cool about this is that the slash vagrant mount is shared across all vagrant boxes. So if you had some files you wanted to transfer, it makes it super easy. You can also destroy a single box within this environment by running vagrant destroy, and then the box name. Then let's verify it's actually gone. Then bring it up again by running vagrant up. And now we have our fourth vagrant box up and running again. Well, I've probably talked long enough about vagrant, and hopefully at this point I've shown you that vagrant can be a great addition to your toolbox. The vagrant website listed in the episode notes below is a great source of documentation too, so be sure to check that out. Alright, that concludes this episode. Thanks for watching. If you would like to get notified about future episodes, please subscribe to my mailing list. You can do this by going to the Get Notified link in the header and entering your email address. Have questions, comments, or concerns about this episode? What about episode ideas? I'd love to hear your feedback, either good or bad. Shoot me an email, justin at sysadmincasts.com.